You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Saturday to you, and welcome to Tailgate Talk. It's been a couple of weeks since we had a tailgate talk. It's been a busy stretch. I've been traveling. There's been holidays. And so I'm glad to be back on your podcast feed on a Saturday, and I'm glad to be joined by Aaron Quinn, one of my favorite Bills content creators out there. He does a great job as part of the Cover One Buffalo podcast and all the great stuff going on at Cover One. I'll tell you what, folks. One of my game day or my post-game Bills traditions is listening to Greg and Aaron and Anthony this year on their post-game reaction podcast. I don't think I've ever told Aaron this, but it is it is my drive-home listen. I watch the game at my brother's house, which is about 35 minutes away from where I live, and on the way home, I can't see you because that wouldn't be safe. But as I drive, you guys are going through the speakers in my car, and I'm taking in your thoughts post-game every time, and I'm very happy to be joined by you today on the podcast. Aaron Quinn, welcome to Tailgate Talk. Well, I'm blown away by the intro, first of all. And uh, thanks for having me, man. And I want to say Merry Christmas to you. I haven't talked to you since Christmas. And I hope that you you and your family had a fantastic Christmas this year. We did. Awesome. Merry Christmas to you. Happy New Year. Thank it's you. New Year's yeah. Day as people are listening to this. So yeah. happy New Year to everybody. What a what a it blows right by this time of year. And now we got a good Bills team. But I appreciate the you know the kind words about the uh, the post game show. I mean, it's hard to do a live oh. post game show. Dude, so any I need like hours. I need yeah. hours to figure my thoughts out. You guys are like up within half hours. So. It's tough though. Like there's we definitely say stuff that's wrong sometimes. <laughs> and when you get to get a chance to go back and watch it, you're like, man, I wish I didn't you know say that about player X or whatever. The one I try to stay away from is offensive line. I think yeah. as somebody that scouts, you probably know that the post game, that's super hard to start talking mm-hmm. about offensive line. But every once in a while you get suckered into these different narratives and stuff that, that come out post game. And so it's hard to live in that moment and then put it out online. You don't get it back once it's out there. So uh, it's a tough, tough gig, but it's people seem to appreciate it. And I always love, it's the one I always love hearing people saying, Hey, I, you know, it helps me process the game. And that's what mm-hmm. it does for me. It's, it's kind of a group therapy talking out, you know, whether it's a win or a loss, it's a group yeah. therapy for us. I would agree with that. It's a good way for me to relive the important stuff, right? Because you're in the aftermath of the game. I'm driving home. I've got 35 minutes and I'm thinking a lot about what I'm going to say in my own podcast and hearing you guys kind of work through it. I'll be honest, is an invaluable part of my process, you know? (laughs) So I appreciate what you guys do to help me have my best Monday game reaction podcast as well. So uh, love all the way around. Great community of Bill's content creators and podcasters. Aaron, you guys in, in Cover One are right at the top of the list. So well, I'll tell you, you're you're my first listen each and every day. Uh, <laughs> I, I do like an NPR. There's like a four-minute yeah. NPR when I'm getting my coffee, and then it's boom, locked on Bill's to get my day kicked off every day. Appreciate that very, very much. So this is Tailgate Talk, and the idea for anyone who may not have listened or, and you're here because it's Aaron, it's your first time listening to tailgate talk the idea is for this to be very much a conversation that we would have in the parking lots before a bills game and just very casual you know and just talk a little less drunk maybe little yeah you know that that that'll be part of it um but one thing that i've never talked about on an episode of tailgate talk is tailgating and, and what those experiences are like especially from the food perspective and i know i know you mess around in the kitchen aaron and I so love that. If, yeah. if you were inviting me to your tailgate what are what are five things? Five things that I would be guaranteed to find at an Aaron Quinn tailgate. So uh, I had, I haven't had season tickets now for a while, so my tailgating has d- decreased since children have entered my life here. It's been a little money harder. and time is no object, Aaron. You yeah. you blow me away with whatever you want here. Okay, so my so money isn't even so much the thing because my tailgates have always been real simple. One of the first things I do, I get real. It's almost like Christmas morning that amped up when I'm going to a game. It's not even so much of the nerves for the game. It's the excitement. Like at the end of the day, dude, I'm still just a diehard stand for the Bills and fans. So the excitement of getting to go to, to Orchard Park and experience being at Bills Mafia with all the fans. So I'm all amped up. I'm up 
crazy early yeah. four in the morning, like just edge nerves. So when I, one thing I started doing was baking uh, in, in the mornings, cause it takes a little time. There's a process to baking, uh, and it kind of calms those nerves and allows me to kill an hour and a half hour or two in the morning before heading out. So I make a banana Nutella filled muffin mm. that is to die for everyone that's had them. People used to make fun of me. They're like, dude, you're baking. Come on. Like that's the least tailgate nope. thing you could ever imagine. I'm here for it. I make like two dozen of them and people are craving them. I get asked all the time to make more of them. So that's one you'll find early in the morning helps. It builds a nice little base for drinking later in the day. Yeah. Get a couple muffins down, Crucial. not a food item, but you'll find, uh, I don't know if you're a craft beer fan or not, but I, I, I like founders coffee stout. Uh, it's one of the few beers in my opinion that you can really drink before 10 AM, uh, because it tastes like coffee and it's, it's a, a nice warming, especially this time of year, these December games, it gives you a nice warming feeling. Um, and then it's something I don't make, but I bring to almost every single tailgate drew at the rock power report knows this, the couple that I've showed up to be with him, uh, tops breakfast pizza, giant sheet. I don't know if you've ever had tops nope. breakfast pizza, dude. Nope. Next time you're in Western New York, if you're going to a game or just hanging out with family, order yourself a sheet of Topps breakfast pizza, best breakfast pizza in the entire world. They litter it with crispy crumbled bacon all over the top. It's the most delicious bacon, scrambled eggs, cheese. It's, it's perfection. You, everyone, yeah, yeah, everyone I've talked to when I'm like, oh, have you ever had Topps breakfast pizza? If they had, they light up. They're like, I don't go to Topps for a whole lot but I do go for the breakfast piece. So that's something you'll always find in my tailgates too. Then I know you're a fan of this. Cause I listened to the podcast, <laughs> Buffalo chicken dip. If you're not yeah. having Buffalo chicken dip at your tailgate, I don't know what you're doing now. I got to get on those chips. Zach's that, mighty you know, tortilla chips. I got to get on them because They're my good. chips, my chips bust up. And they the, won't. That's the thing about them. This isn't even a paid advertisement. No, They're not no, even, yeah. they're not even part of the list today of, of no. sponsors, but. Shout but I hear you yeah. and I haven't gone out to get them yet, but I got to because my my dip's thick. My chicken dip runs pretty <laughs> this thick. Is what you need. I have an answer yeah. for your problem. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get some because if you'll, but you'll catch that there. Um, another thing I like bringing to games because it's easy to, to, I don't have to cook at the game. I don't like cooking at the game. I don't. I don't like right. setting on my grill and having right. to deal with all that. It's a mess. Uh, beer brats. I'll soak some brats in beer and I'll put them in the slow cooker and cook those all morning and then bring them and, and just keep them in, you know, heated up and ready to go throw them on some buns. You can't go wrong with brats no matter where you are. Yeah. And I soak them in a nice like Doppelbach or something malty, a malty type beer and get that going. And then, uh, I prefer my Cuban sliders, uh, little slider sandwiches on your, uh, Kings mm -hmm. Hawaiians, mm -hmm. but I always mix up depending on the opponent uh, in the region and stuff like that. So with Atlanta, I would do probably like a crispy fried chicken sandwich or, you know, a knockoff of a Chick-fil-A uh, slider. But uh, Miami, we played Miami twice a year. That's when I really pull out those Cuban sliders, things like that. So I try to make those team specific, uh, but that's the spread you'll about find. And then the key to tailgating and the key to bills is bringing food in with you. You're allowed to bring prepackaged food into the stadium. Not a lot of what? people know this. What? Not Are a you lot telling of people me a lie, this. Aaron? I'm not lying to you at all. It's one of the best kept secrets of of going to that stadium. You can bring prepackaged food, so like a pack of peanuts. Like I went to the game, the Panthers game. You were there. I went to that. I brought uh, beef jerky, a pack of beef jerky, some protein bars, a pack of nuts. Like you can bring any of that stuff as long as it's closed. You can bring food in with you, and that is the key to enjoying the Bills game because you're sitting there for three hours. In the yeah. no offense to sitting. whatever, no, no, nobody's like. sitting, brother. Oh yeah, unless, no. you're, unless you're in those red seats, everyone's yep. standing. But if you you've had a few drinks maybe, yeah. and then you're sitting at the stadium or at the stadium, the food's expensive at the stadium, no matter what you get. And the Lenovo ain't the Lenovo. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's not yeah. the same Lenovo, and nope. you're paying the same price for it. And right. so I bring all my food with me. It's the best kept secret in Buffalo. Bring food with you in your bag. I'm excited for the rest of this conversation, but I think it's already been worth it that because I've learned now that I can bring prepackaged food into the Bill Stadium. So thank yeah. you for sharing that nugget. You said something there at the beginning of that that resonated with me and that there still is something about going to a Bills game, right? Like, I'm 35 years old, man, but I came to two Bills games this year, the Houston game and the Carolina game, and the night before, my wife will tell you, I'm like, I'm Gady. I'm like, I get to go see Josh Allen play football tomorrow. Like, I get to be in that environment, and 
it's the same. I felt when I was 15 or 16 or 20, Absolutely, it's there, man. Like it's, there is that there's just nothing like it. There's nothing like being in that atmosphere and like to get to see this team on the field. Yeah. I get giddy, man. I'm not afraid to admit it. And other sports are cool. Like I, I watch other sports live and they're, they're all cool for their own ways, but man, there ain't nothing like a football game. No, live a professional no. football game. I, when you walk through that old, those little tunnels and you come out, it's a beautiful day in Western New York. And you know, you're about to watch a bills game and, and the crowd is just electric. They're, honestly, man, it, it just gets me excited. Every time I go, I wish I could go more often just, you know, having kids and having to get a babysitter and make a, it's a full day. That's the problem with football, right? Yep, you get there it you at the 8 AM till, you know, an hour or two after the game with traffic. And that's a long day, but, uh, always exciting to, to participate in it. That is the wet blanket over going to a football game. It literally is your day. And I guess it's a good usage of your day. But for me, where I get a little bit frustrated is that if it's a one o'clock game, I'm pretty much not going to have any idea what happens with the other one o'clock games. Yeah. And certainly the first half of the, of the four o'clock slate. And as somebody who does a national podcast on all things football, that I'm playing a lot of catch up throughout the evening in addition to having to record the game reaction podcast. Now don't get me wrong, like those are great problems to have. I'm yeah. I'm totally comfortable with that, but it does make for some challenges when I have somewhat of a limited amount of time to catch up on everything. Yeah. And well, and that's another thing for me is even, you know, I had to talk to Greg and Anthony to be like, Hey, you know, a friend of mine offered me tickets for free. And yeah. I was like, hey, I can't turn them down. I get, it's my one chance to go this year. I'm going to go to the game. And, but that I have a post game show to do and it's almost yeah. impossible to leave the stadium and the reception down there is terrible. Even if I tried right. to do it for my car, you don't get the kind of reception you need to, to, to put on a decent show. Um, so it, they were nice enough to allow me to miss a week here. It's nice having Anthony on the show to kind of not leave Greg. Greg dry. would be fine. Aaron, we know Greg would be oh, fine. Yeah. Him and the listeners in the chat. He Greg loves the talk. For, he, he, he might go two, two and a half hours. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly. And before I've had Greg, uh, Greg's been a saving grace. You know, for me, he's a not only a really good friend. We've developed a great friendship on and off uh, screen. But there was about a year and a half where I was doing the show by myself and I had, you know, spot gas. Nate Geary would come on. Rob Quinn would come on. But I had nobody consistent. There was a number of games where I'm not going to mention any names of who they were, but I had somebody lined up to be in the show. And then the Bills had like a bad Thursday night loss. And I'll get a, you know, in the fourth quarter, somebody be like, I can't, I'm not getting on and talking about that. And then you're sitting there by yourself doing a, you know, hour, hour and a half loss by yourself talking to the Internet. It's tough. Yeah. Trying to figure out the right tone. Right. Like, oh. There's some, there's some YouTube videos of me out there where it's just me just rambling about just nonsense of (laughs) Tyrod Taylor bills games. It's the new year. So that means new year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include built bar in your plan. Built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And built bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You'll want to eat it. You want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they have great nutrition facts. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They are healthy for you. They taste delicious, and they help you eat healthy. And they have so many great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what is new. And of course, I have a deal for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So we actually do have a football game. We're in the we're in the tailgate lots right now. The Bills are getting ready to take on the Atlanta Falcons, a game that I think we all have high expectations for the Bills to go out and take care of their business. 14.5-point favorites at home. A team from Atlanta coming up. From the metrics perspective, this team's a mess. Their roster is not where it needs to be, and that's okay. It's year one of, of this new GM-head coach combination. But, Aaron, as you consider Bills-Falcons – what are those prevailing thoughts on your mind entering this football game? 
Yeah, well, before we talk about the game, while I got you here, one thing I kind of want to just wonder, your uh, vision of this Falcons team, because you cover the whole league. I don't get Mm -hmm. to necessarily take a look at all teams, maybe in the same way you do. And we had our Falcons guest on this past week talking about, and he wasn't really, didn't give me an answer necessarily on, the the Falcons to me seem weird, right? They're not a rebuild team. You got a a, kind of aging quarterback that is your franchise quarterback, but you know, and you've got some young assets. I love AJ Terrell. Like I I like some of their young assets, but they also, it's a weird mix of some kind of rebuilding, but not really. And that few, that window is pretty short. If you're sticking with Matt Ryan, like, where are they? I can't figure that out. Love this question. I absolutely love this question because to me, and I, I, as part of the draft network, we are assigned six different NFL teams where you are responsible for like knowing them in depth. And fortunately for me, Atlanta is one of my teams. So I, yep. I am dialed in on Atlanta and the NFC South, as well as the bills and jets. So if that, those are my teams. Yep. And so I feel very good about talking about Atlanta. And as I work through this off season, paying very close attention to their moves, I ask myself the same question. What are they? What do they think they are? Because They sat there and committed to Matt Ryan. They had the number four pick in the draft and chose a tight end. And look, we all know he's an alien. He's a really special player. But Justin Fields was there. Mac Jones was there. A trade back opportunity to stockpile assets to jump start your rebuild was there. They chose not to, right? They could have gotten a lot from somebody to come up because there there were plenty of teams that wanted to do that. Meanwhile, you're trading away Julio Jones. They knew it too, right? Like they knew, right, they they knew it yeah. the whole time. So the messaging has been completely mixed. All yeah. right. And it's been difficult from that perspective for me to really buy into what's going on. Here's where I draw some respect for what's happening. And I think this is something that we don't talk enough about with Sean McDermott in that 2017 team. Every indication, everything that you've heard, read, different things that I've listened to would tell you that Sean McDermott said, no, no, no. We are not participating in the quarterback class class in 2017 because I need to I need to tell this locker room that I'm here to win. Right. I need to connect my message. I need to establish this right away. I need these guys to know that I mean business and that I'm going to put them in good positions to succeed and they can trust me. Mm-hmm. And so for them to go nine and seven, get into the playoffs was absolutely monumental for Sean McDermott to lay the foundation for what was going to come in years ahead especially in 2018 where they knew they were going to be undermanned and had tons of dead cap space and really just kind of had to take their medicine. So as much as I I even say like, yeah, the Bills tanked their way into the playoffs, they backed in, they ended the drought, whatever, critical, absolutely critical in, in McDermott establishing what he wanted to achieve in Buffalo. And so I can respect the vision from that perspective and that Arthur Smith's coming in kind of a you know, not a big resume, right? Coming in, it it comes from a a very privileged background. You know, he probably had some winning over to do stepping into that locker room. And for them to stay with Matt Ryan, who has been one of the best quarterbacks of the last 15 years. I mean, really impressive top 10 all time and uh, passing yards. He's been to the Super Bowl, um, multi-time pro bowler. I mean, his production speaks for itself for them to say, no, 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 we're going to win football games. And then to go out and have a seven and eight record. It's pretty respectable because they really shouldn't based on the roster and how they're performing. Like the metrics on this team are terrible. Yeah. And so I, I from that perspective, I, I sort of get it. But if they don't find an answer at quarterback to really bring this thing forward, we're going to question what happened with that number four pick for a while. Yeah. Unless they believe that windows maybe longer open than, it, than I think it is for yeah. how much have, have you seen Matt Ryan play? I mean, he is so. He's, he's so, getting, they got to protect him if he's going to last yeah, much longer. Right. And they tried to their credit. They've tried their, their entire yeah. offensive line is first round picks. They have three yeah, first round picks, picks and, and two day, two picks. Like they've, yeah. they've tried to get that right. I, and they traded back into the first round a couple of years ago to get a tackle and Caleb McGarry. And so we can, we can debate how those players have fared, but they've tried and watching so maybe that, is that time on task, do you know, think? just like getting time on task for, for them? sure. Some of that is that right? Like, but guys like Lindstrom and McGarry, you'd expect a little bit more from right now. And Hennessy's been waiting in the wings. So Mayfield, their rookie starter at left guard, is somebody that I can give a little bit of grace to, but not the rest. Sure. Like they need to be playing better. And Matt Ryan, I think everyone's going to realize this when they watch him on Sunday. Wow, his feet are heavy. It's yeah. like he's got cement blocks on his feet. And so when you just watch him, like just drop back and set his feet, man, like 
it is slow. You're wondering how the ball comes out sometimes. That's not so. the new NFL. No, no, no. Yeah, not at all. And so that's yeah. where I get concerned, right? He's 36, and I just physically, I'm just not sure that there's a whole lot there to buy into. And there really never was. Like, that's the thing right. about Matt Ryan. Physical traits have never been his thing. Yeah. Well, what's tough for them is you, you got to then solidify that quarterback position. But looking at this defense uh, and mm-hmm. getting ready for this game, there's even, you know, Jarrett's playing out of position. Like, I love Grady Jarrett, but you got him playing out of position. That's not good. It doesn't seem like anyone there's a, a real fit across the board for anyone except for A.J. Terrell. You're not wrong, man. And, and Dean Pease is such a good defensive coordinator. He's been his, his resume speaks for itself. He just doesn't have the players. And when you go from such a drastic scheme shift, like Dan Quinn, cover three, like to Dean P's going to one high it up and and do some hybrid fronts, odd fronts. You're playing Grady Jarrett, who's one of the better three techs in the league at the five, like Deion Jones behind a defensive line that doesn't have, you know, like space eaters, not like a true nose. He needs that, man. He's a, he's a sideline to sideline rangy guy. He's not going to be able to play downhill into the line of scrimmage without being covered up. So they don't have the one high safety. They don't have the slot. They don't have the CB2. They don't have their edge rushers. They don't have the defensive linemen. And it's a lot of work. Got to be wondering what the hell he did coming out of retirement to step into this situation. Yeah, it's a lot of work for him. But uh, to, to flip it over back to your question about you know what I'm looking for out of this game, man, is I, I, all these things we've just talked about. I'm looking for the Bills to come out and dominate this game. We've talked about on our podcast a lot how, you know, when the Bills can get out to a lead in boat race teams, it's really when they've been at their best. And that's what I'm looking for them to continue to establish. And with that kind of baked into them coming out dominating is I want to see them continue to build confidence in areas that have maybe been question marks or maybe been, you know, high, low end variances this year with the passing game, right? Like the passing game has either been super high end you're getting the best of Josh Allen or it's been, you know, tough sledding where they can't get first downs. The offensive line can't block. I want to see some confidence built up along this offensive line against a weak defensive line. I want to see some confidence built up, continuing to ride this Devin Singletary thing that they've been doing. Devin Singletary might've had one of the best worst box score games a week ago. Like if you looked at the box score of that game, you would think, wow, they use pretty pedestrian, but he had a nice game and he's put together now three, four weeks of pretty nice running back play for this team. I think that's crucial heading into the playoffs to continue to build him confidence and get that running game going a little bit. Uh, So these next two weeks are really, for me, I say it all the time on our pod that getting into the playoffs, especially in a year like 2021, where I don't think there's any one true top contender in this AFC race, it's who's going to be hot at the right time and, and taking the confidence of this last month of football into the playoffs. And, and I think if the bills can build up some of the areas that they, they haven't been great at and build confidence going into the playoffs, I think it's going to be a huge benefit for them to make a run that I think they can hate to do the, what if thing, but like, what if the Bills stumble to a win, you know, like they're not, they're not bulletproof. We, we live through yeah, the Jacksonville game, right? We live through <laughs> the Steelers game. Like I know that that's in very much in the rear view mirror. And we're talking yeah. about a bills team that I think, pretty much everyone agrees is playing their best football right now. The last 10 quarters have been the best ball we've seen. And you love that it came in consecutive quarters, but like, what if they win this game 17 to 10? I mean, you know, what's possible about that is I brought this up last uh, uh, Wednesday was I think not everyone understands how much goes into a game plan, right? Like the, the amount of work these guys do week in and week out to get ready for these games. But then you add on the Patriots and we heard Leslie Frazier talk about, you know, the defense and that there is a little extra uh, going up against the game, a team like that, especially after coming off a loss against them, there's an emotional high and low, like the same thing we all had Monday victory Monday on Twitter, yeah. bills fans just going nuts memes and, and enjoying ourselves players experience those emotional highs and lows too. So there's maybe some possibility for a little bit of a letdown come out flat. The bills, this bills team has traditionally had some slow starts in games, Atlanta, you know, their path to a victory here is, you know, maybe AJ trial comes up with a turnover, gets a couple explode, you know, Cordell Patterson gets an explosive player or two. And, and then you let a team like this hang out. They're probably going to be a little bit more desperate than the bills. I hate playing desperate football teams. Right? I, I really do uh, because they'll pull out all the stops. They'll pull out some trick plays. You got to be ready for that kind of stuff in a game like this. All it takes is three or four of those plays to go their way. And then you have a, a much closer game than you'd like to have. And 
we can make fun of Atlanta all we want, but one area they've been better than the Buffalo Bills in is in one score games. You, I don't want to get into a one score game with this team down at the end of the game. The Bills, whether it's luck, execution, whatever you want to call it, Bills have not been able to finish those one score games where Atlanta has. That's where, where their wins are coming from. So that's why I think it's super important to get out and boat race this, boat race this team and just get out and, and don't even give them a chance to stay in this game. But if the Bills limp their way to a win, uh, it's going to be, I think the, 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 the fan base is going to go back to where they were maybe a month ago. Uh, we're going to get off that high off the Patriots game and start to really be concerned again. Cause you know, uh, another metric I'm a big fan of is DVOA and it, with the variance in DVOA, Aaron chats tweets about all the time. There's no more variance team than the Buffalo bills this year. They are just up and down. You can't tell which team you're going to get. And that doesn't make me feel good going into the playoffs because this isn't like every other sport where it's a five game or seven game series. You get one shot. You got to be on your best every single week. And if this team's going to be up and down, I don't feel good about any of the potential matchups in the playoffs. You know, if they're going to be the team we saw against the Jaguars or maybe the team we saw against the Patriots, I want to know they're the team we saw against the Patriots the rest of the way. Leave it to me to bring up special teams as an X factor, but I think they are. I'm very impressed with what Atlanta has. Uh, in the kicking game, uh, Young Hui Koo, one of the awesome. best kickers in the league, 12 of 13 over the last three years beyond 50. He's a 93% kicker. Uh, Thomas Morstead may have been the best punter in the NFL so far this year, certainly in the top five. And then, oh, by the way, they got that Cordero Patterson guy at returner, and he's not brought one back to the house yet this year. And come on, that's coming, right? And maybe, yeah. The Bills have been really good. Their coverage teams. units, yeah. Yeah, it's been good, but like, Patterson's different with the ball, right? I mean, so you try to plot that path for a Falcons win. It's certainly them playing their best game of the season and the Bills giving them some help. But sometimes those X factors in in special teams can really make a difference. And and I feel like Atlanta has that. And so that was the first thing I want to bring up. The other thing that you said there was about expectations. And I kind of feel like for a large part of the season, one of the issues with this team has been that they step on a football field and expect it to go a certain way. And then when it doesn't, oh boy, right? Like they just yeah. you're scrambling and they're tight and they're not playing right. They're chasing big plays and they kind of get away from playing good complimentary football. And so as we have gained confidence, and I think we are back to that point where expectations are very much a thing like, okay, yeah, you shown us the team we thought you could be. It's here. You're at home. You're against the Falcons. Like we expect this. I wonder where the team's at, right? Like, cause I know the, I know where the fan base is at, but where's the right. team at? You like to think the leadership of the team, like could be the difference there. And, and certainly I, I opened up that, that Patriots post game podcast, the, the win last week. And I, you know, I always try to make the first thing I say, the most important thing I could have talked about Isaiah McKenzie. I could have talked about the offensive line. Could have talked about Josh Allen. Could have talked about the past defense. I talked about the leadership and how the, team overcame adversity to meet a moment on the road against a good team. Right. Right. And so I'm clinging to that, which I normally do. If anyone listens to me, I, a lot of times when I have a little panic, I I cling to that leadership. But to me, this is one of those moments where it's going to have to prevail once again. Yeah. I think it's super important. I I got made fun of a lot over the years of, you know, McDermott and Bean put a huge, value on that leadership and they're willing to overpay for it in, in, in terms of actual money salary cap. We saw that with them getting started Tule, right? Like we we've seen them pay for guys that are part of this leadership council that he's always talking about. McDermott's always talking about it's very important to him and it shows up in December, mm-hmm. right? Like it shows up now when, when your back's against the wall, I think the benefit right now this team has is the slip ups early on have backed them into a corner and they, there's not a lot of, there's no yeah. room for error anymore. Right. And these guys know it, they know what's on the line. They know if they win and maybe some other things happen this week, playoffs are secured. They yeah. know that these two next games and that you have to play this type of football going into the playoffs. So I think you got your whole leadership working towards that goal of, Hey, we got to be playing our best football going forward. I don't think they're going to come out and take Atlanta lightly uh, at all. It's just a matter of, like you said, you know, can they play clean football? Can they keep, you know, from beating themselves. And I honestly, Joe, I've got all these games that they've lost. I hate to be that fan. That sounds like, I think the bills have beat themselves more than any sure. to beat the bills. Percent. Yeah. yeah they've tripped over themselves and shot them. They're their own worst enemy this year. So as long as they stay away from that type of football, I think they should be able to easily handle this one. You said there that everyone was really dialed in focus on the Patriots. There's an emotional piece of that. 
I think that extends to the next two games because the reason that exists is because nobody, including this coaching staff and, and the players, wants to hand the division back to the New England Patriots. And they knew, all right, step one was beating New England. Step two is winning these next two games because the Bills haven't clinched the AFC East. It's likely if they beat the Falcons and Jets, it's theirs. They're back-to-back yeah. champions. But you can't have that hiccup. You can't go into a do-or-die scenario next week. And so I think maybe that's another piece of this that we can cling to in that, all right, they were dialed in. They were focused. They played their best game of the season against New England for those reasons, and those reasons still exist this week and next. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, I think they're, especially Josh, right? Like, Oh, yeah. He gets uh, you can tell... Josh wears everything on his shoulder. He's a passionate dude and, and he wears it on his, on his car on his arm. And you can see games where he's tight. I'll, I'll message Eric Turner at the beginning of a game. And we're like, Oh, Josh looks a little tight. He looks a little jittery <laughs> or when he's loose, right. When he's coming out firing, I saw something in this Patriots game. That was different. It was a different Josh Allen. It was a super hyper focused driven Josh Allen. And I think that he understands the message loud and clear what he wants his team to be. He's the ultimate leader. When we talk about the leadership council, it, it starts and stops right now with Josh Allen. He is the franchise. So I think he's locked in. I think the pro bowl snub, yeah. you don't have to put a lot of chips on these guys shoulders. No. Uh, and we talk about guys like Tom Brady's and stuff who create, those things for themselves. I think Josh Allen listens to everything that's said about him. I think he hears all the, the, you know, haters and things out there. And he is taking that pro bowl snub and he's going to let the league know. And so I think that might've been, you know, I, I feel bad for those players. Cause I know Jordan Poyer wants that recognition in the league. It, and it's not about the money. He wants the recognition right. of, you know, being a top guy at his position. I think Josh does too, but secretly i think it might be a good little bit of a chip on their shoulder because this team you know they're these guys all have chips like they they've come into that's what brandon bean and sean mcdermott look for that's part of this dna that they talk about is guys with chips on their shoulder so anytime you can add another one man yeah it, it just makes them even more dangerous i think josh allen's still pissed that wyoming and the directional washington school were the only two fbs programs that offered yeah. him a scholarship yeah. and he wears it every day he's pissed every about being the three the third quarterback off the board in that draft Yep. He's I, I literally think he's pissed about that every single day and all the time. I, that's to our benefit. This is a random one. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but it, it sparked a, in my mind as we worked through this recent part of our conversation. Josh Allen has been nominated for the Art Rooney Award for sportsmanship on the field. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I disagree that he deserves that. But I'm not sure that I necessarily watch Josh Allen play football and think to myself, Great sportsman on the field, you know, like a good, right. a good, uh, you see him waving goodbye to the Patriots. You see him like he's calling. Cocky. He is man. Like, and, and I know it because I'm friends with fans of other teams and they say, they, they talk about how much they hate Josh Allen's yeah. and, and the way I that love that. I love and that I, oh, by the way. For sure. <laughs> and I, I just say, yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah. And I say, I get it. But if you had him on your team, yeah. you'd love it. Oh, but yeah. this guy's up for the sportsmanship award. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I can't remember who it was over the offseason. Somebody came out, out and said that Josh Allen's the biggest trash, trash talker in the NFL. Yeah. Some who I don't remember who it was, but another player said yeah. that. So, like, I've heard uh, from some people that have worked for the Bills in the past, even at like practice and stuff, that this guy in the, the mouth on him and they're like he just is all the time on the sideline he is just jawing all the time he can't stop but you know what i do see is you know before the game he's super respectful when sure. it comes to like the coins off he's and he's after the game he's always talking about how he's happy to you know play with guys and stuff like that like he's always super respectful so maybe there is some other underline where you know he knows where the line of trash talk competitive you know being in that moment of competitiveness and sort of a respect for the game as yeah. a whole and respect for the refs and the officials and all that stuff. I think he's a nice guy in the press conferences. He definitely says all the right things. So I think he, he balances that pretty well, probably. But yeah, I mean, you hear him, John, the waving <laughs> at Wilk, uh, Christian Wilkins, like stuff like that, man. I love it, yeah. uh, but it doesn't ring sportsmanship. No. Necessarily. no. Before we jump any further too. Hot topic this week. I don't know if we can get into this. This might be a whole nother podcast for you. I want your opinion on this because I respect your opinion. And I've kind of been a little bit quiet about this this week. I like what Isaiah McKenzie did in this last game. I really do. I think that he's earned 
opportunities to continue to be a wide receiver on this team and get the ball in his hands. I'm not sold where Bill's mafia is going online that this one game is indicative of who he is as a player. I think, I think when you watch back the game, there was some sloppiness to some of his routes as well. I think he took advantage of miles Bryant, who I've been saying the last two matchups, I was like, go after miles Bryant. Like he's not a great corner. He's probably the weak link in their defensive backfield. Bill Belichick, what was Bill Belichick did not make any adjustments in this game to really do anything to stop that and get away from Miles Bryant on Isaiah McKenzie. So I think it was a mix of things that led to Isaiah McKenzie being able to explode. I'm not taking anything away from him, but are we getting a little ahead of ourselves with a, a one game performance and saying like, all right, well, our slots answered for the next 10 years. We got the guy. <laughs> yes, for sure. And and that's, I mean, I, I, I dealt with this on herd mentality where that, I mean, man, I got so many emails and DMS about this situation. And the message that I tried to deliver was you don't have to make that decision today. Like you can enjoy both of these players, at least for the rest of the season and then sort it out afterwards. And so with that in mind, take advantage of what both of these players offer, which are different things. And anybody that's went back and watched the, the all 22 understands that it wasn't a one for one. Isaiah McKenzie just didn't do the things Cole Beasley does. He, right. he he used him very differently. And so I get interested in using both of those skill sets and still getting Cole Beasley going on some choice routes and some, you know, shallow stuff and just route running against man coverage where you take advantage of the speed factor that exists with McKenzie and get him getting him going on some overs and you know running away from coverage and so, with some longer developing routes, right? So let's get them both going and yeah, maybe even next year. Like, I, I don't know why it has to be this final type thing. Like, oh man, Isaiah McKenzie yeah. played good and Cole Beasley's kicked to the curb. Like I'm, I, I don't think it has to be that it's, it's not a binary thing. And so right. I'm, I'm choosing not to treat it like that and trying to dismiss the idea. That's that where I'm is. at too. Yeah. And even some of that longer developing routes thing, this is another kind of the, the people talking about the offensive line. I think they did do a good job, but again, the way the Patriots played this bills team, they weren't pinning their ears back to rush Josh Allen. They were containing Josh Allen a lot of the time. And so the, the, I think to, on the broadcast, it looked like, man, look at these pockets Josh Allen has, but then you have to know the assignment of what the Patriots were doing. And so that allows for some of those long crossers to develop and Josh to pick you apart. Like, I think that was a poor game plan against Josh that led to some of that too. If I can defend Bill Belichick and at the same time, offer praise to Josh Allen, you know, and I said multiple times this week, this was the eighth time that Josh Allen has faced Bill Belichick. I stand corrected. Yeah. It's the seventh time he missed the the one game because uh, Derek Anderson started. It was, was that Monday night as well? Or Sunday mm-hmm. night? It was a prime, prime time game. I'm watching Derek. It Anderson was prime time. The friggin oh. Patriots. I, it was not great. Um, so seventh time, right? There's a sample size here. Bill Belichick watches a lot of Josh Allen, common opponents. Like it's definitely something he sees and thinks about a lot. And he knows that this is his Everest right now. And obviously his game plan wasn't effective, but what I think he subscribed to, and I'm not sure it's that bad of an idea is number one, see if Josh Allen will be patient because True. not sure that throughout his career, he's always proven that that will be the case. Yeah. And so he, I, he showed that against new Orleans, which is something I really complimented him for the Thanksgiving game, but not, not very consistently. And so number one, that number two, he doesn't have Gabriel Davis. He doesn't have Cole Beasley. And so that's probably an even bit better reason to, um, subscribe to whether testing or not he's patience, be, yeah, yeah. testing it. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. And then thirdly, Isaiah McKenzie entered this game with a very limited amount of production. And he probably thought to himself, okay, like, uh, if they get production from Isaiah McKenzie, we can live with it. Right. Yeah. Just like yeah, you that's who beats about, us. Right. Right. Wouldn't you, you'd say that about other teams that you face yeah. like, oh man, if we're playing, uh, the, the chiefs and we take away uh, Kelsey and Hill and, and, um, Demarcus Robinson has a big game. Like, okay. you yeah. So like, again, somewhat defending Bill Belichick, but also flipping that back to the bills and being like, yeah, good job. You overcame that. You, you proved you were patient. You were proved you were able to use the full breadth of your weapons and you dominated the best defensive mind in the history of football. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just don't know if it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are taking the results of this game, you know, guy like Bates, guy like McKenzie and saying, hey, that we can re- reapply that week in and week out. And I don't know that that's true. Bet Online has you cover this holiday season with more props, odds and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and pro football playoffs. 
BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and BetOnline is where the game starts. My guest today on Tailgate Talk is Aaron Quinn from Cover One. Aaron, this has been a phenomenal conversation so far. We've got a meaty topic to get into here next. But before we do, I talked in the opening. We talked in the opening about the podcast that you do and the work that you do at Cover One. So here's your chance to uh, let everyone know about it and how they can uh, consume that content. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can find us every Wednesday uh, doing a preview show. We're running out of them here as the season wraps up, but we do preview shows throughout the year. Try to bring on a guest similar to you do sort of like a crossover type show where we find a guest to come and you know, talk about the team and give our predictions, things like that. And then, uh, as you mentioned earlier as well, we do the live post game show. And uh, that's really where the fun happens. Uh, come on in and join us on YouTube. The chat's always fantastic. Uh, but the Cover One Network, we have podcasts all, all throughout the week here. we got a lot of great talent on the Cover One team. Team. Um, you know, we got the air raid guys came over this year, Anthony Prohaska, who's doing uh, his show. Plus he's doing film room stuff with Eric Turner. Obviously a lot of people follow him. So uh, I'm real proud of the team that has sort of come together throughout the years at cover one and always looking to, to improve that. And so, you know, check us all out and obviously find me on Twitter and, and come get involved over Aaron Quinn, seven, one, six, uh, and me and Greg kind of always uh, getting into it with fans and going back and forth. We love that stuff. But listen, if you listen to Aaron Quinn talk, you can appreciate his Twitter presence a lot better. I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I am abrasive. I'm a passionate dude. Uh, and it, my thing is, if you're going to say something that is a, is a take, you better be willing to defend it. That's my point. Like if I can find stats or something that, you know, I, I'll see a tweet and say, that doesn't sound right. Like, that's not what I'm seeing. <laughs> that is what I watch. And I'm going to go find out why I don't think it's right. And you better be able to defend it. Uh, I'm willing to be wrong. I take my losses all the time. I'm willing to do it. And I'm going to hand them out to others when they're, when they're not willing to take them too. So uh, Twitter's the wild West, man. Yeah, it really is. I, I made the mistake of uh, bringing into question Trayvon Diggs, the corner from the Dallas Cowboys, who's had a ton of ball production this year, 11 interceptions, a bunch of pass breakups, but he's also given up the most yards of any corner in the NFL, he's given up five touchdowns. He's the most like the most targeted uh, player in the league. Like I, he's a weird player. And it's so a I, tough one, dude. I triggered some to- Cowboys fans, oh, yeah. but I'm not. I'm not going to sit there and go back and forth. Like I'm going to hit the the mute conversation and I'm going to get back to my day. Uh, yeah. So, but but Aaron, I I I, I uh, what I'm a lurker. I'm a lurker to a lot of your uh, your back and forths. And Appreciate so, it. Yeah, fight the good fight. Uh, I won't join in, but I will say I think. Uh, the more I listen to you too, I I'll, I'll have had a fight a week or two before, and then I'll hear your podcast and say, <laughs> and say, I'm like, all right, well, at least Joe and I are agreeing on this Levi Wallace take or on yeah, this Dawson Knox type take. Yeah. It, and so yeah. I know that some of these fights are the right fights. We can't, we, and that's a good segue. We, Levi yeah. Wallace and Dawson Knox are a couple of things that you and I definitely found some common ground on. Um, this off season. And that's, that's what I want to talk about a little bit here as we close out our conversation, because it's been, it's been a, it's been a ride, right? Like yeah. watching that 13 and three team last year, go to the AFC championship game, navigating a really interesting off season where there were a lot of strong opinions about what should be done and what they did and didn't do and what that means. And then seeing the expectations that were there for this team and the process of this season. And so basically when you consider the team we watched last year, the offseason and all the narratives that formed and what you've seen from this team this year, what stands out to you most in terms of what you've learned? Well, one, Greg and I learned that we don't know anything about the draft. All the work we did, like it was fun and you get to know the players and stuff, but we don't know what, what we are thinking or what the team's thinking. And that was uh, uh, yearly a tough pill for me to swallow. But uh, I think a couple things is you know year over year success in the nfl is incredibly hard the margins uh between the good and the bad teams aren't as significant as they look i mean you'll have your pretty bad teams consistently but uh the margins are, are are very slim in this league and so to put together multiple 13 
win seasons is an incredibly hard feat, especially when, you know, teams in your own conference are getting better aggressively trying to get better. It makes it even that much harder. So um, I think we saw that uh, a thing that I saw is, you know, we don't, and you talk about this a lot and, and I think it's a great message and I want more fans It's something we are always trying to talk about is watching and judging our own team we kind of hyper-focus on our own team and we don't judge other teams in the same way. This was the argument I had about Levi Wallace for the last two years. Look at other cornerback twos league-wide and then judge Levi Wallace. You're judging Levi Wallace in comparison to Tredavious White. Like That's not okay. And you're looking for this perfect roster that doesn't exist anywhere in the NFL. And so when we judge our own roster and we look at the depth of our own roster, we have to say, okay, but where do they compare to their peers league wide and more times than not, it's not as bad as the fans and our, and our, mm-hmm. you know, Twitter want to make it feel like it is uh, even the offensive line, as bad as this bill's offensive line has been. And I think it, the trenches are the Achilles heel on, on both sides of the ball. Offensive lines, a problem throughout the entire NFL. Like mm-hmm. it, there's not a lot of good ones. There's a few top heavy teams, but there's a lot of poor offensive line play in this league. Uh, so it, it's not just a bill's problem. And I think once we kind of pull back, and compare league wide, that's where we see, hey, things aren't as bad. And so there was a lot of talk this offseason cornerback. That was a hot topic in the offseason. We saw that that's uh, Kansas City game go the wrong way. And everybody said, oh, sh- we need speed at the cornerback mm-hmm. position. Levi's not going to cut it. Taron Johnson's not it. And I think that, you know, one narrative that died pretty quick this year was, hey, you know what? That depth's not bad. Right. And now we're seeing Dane Jackson, that depth when Trey Davis White comes yeah. back. I'm feeling I mean, really Cam good Lewis. about this. Yeah. Yeah. And Cam Lewis is a pretty good player. And and uh, Taron Johnson at times this year was playing at an all pro level. Like yeah. he, he was playing great. Uh, it's a, slid off a little bit lately, but this is much better depth than we thought. And I think you're starting to see that as the year goes on and this team's playing better football that some of this depth is better than maybe we thought it was even a month ago. Like offensive line, I don't, I think. There's still a lot of problems in that interior offensive line, but I've said this the whole time, you know, everyone's been clamoring for John Feliciano to come back. And I still think he's a below average replacement level player, but without him, the drop-off is to more below average replacement level players. Like you still had good depth. It wasn't like a significant drop-off. I mean, we was off after Ike Bakker went down. Bates is another, you know, the drop-off isn't significant. I think there's something to be said for that. Like while you don't have the top tier talent you want to have that kind of depth to, to fill in through the attrition that is a long football season where you know injuries are going to happen, to not have drop-off is a credit to Brandon B. And I think people, you know, wanted to pile on him for a number of different reasons this, this year of what he didn't do. Uh, but didn't see that, you know, league wide, our depth is really good in comparison to other teams. Look at this Falcons team and what they're putting out on the defensive side of the ball. Like even the depth that we're bringing in to replace injuries is better than a lot of what they're rolling out as starters, man. So that's one. Yeah. Good. I like it. Uh, Yeah. uh, Dawson Knox. This was the big, you know, I know you got into it, the Zach Ertz thing and and people not being for me, this one is patience though. The ability to trust the process for lack of better word and allow these guys their time on task to, meet the potential that we see in them. Like it takes some time. Like you're not going to draft this. I think Madden has corrupted a lot of people's brains. They draft their teams in Madden's and then then in Madden, then the rookies come in and light the world up and you look league wide and you only find the one or two rookies that also do that and say, Oh, I want my guy to be Kittle. I want my guy to, you know, be like this. And sometimes it takes time. And Dawson Knox was on a timeline. Like we talked about Josh Allen that way. Like he needed those reps. He wasn't where the other quarterbacks were when they entered the league. Well, Dawson Knox was even further behind the eight ball when it came to where his development was at a position that takes longer to develop than any position on the offensive line. Like there's a lot that goes into blocking at tight end, the route running concepts. He didn't do at Ole Miss. Like this was a project that was going to take time. And now we're seeing the fruits of that patience and labor of waiting. So I think sometimes we have to, Again, pull back, look at our team in comparison to others, and then allow the process for these guys to become the players that the team believes that they are. If they believe in them, at some point you got to kind of believe in them too, where I think that goes a little too far. Brandon Bean's belief maybe in the interior offensive line and bringing those guys back. I think that, you know, there's that fine line of, hey, we believe in some of these guys and these aren't the targets we need. I was pounding the table for interior offensive line this offseason, and I think they totally dropped the ball there. Watching that Kansas City game, man, the cornerbacks isn't what stood out to me. John Feliciano getting beat up by Chris Jones stood out to me and was what caused me nightmares all offseason. And them not addressing that 
and protection of Josh Allen to me was the biggest letdown. And I think that's been maybe one of the biggest problems that we've seen this year in, in this team. I think that's their Achilles heel. And so I'm going to continue to pound the table for that this year. Cause I think that might be the thing that comes back to bite them here in this playoff run. It's an interesting angle because there are so many good examples of patience and wow, this guy really can play and you, you know, you get a Dawson Knox type breakout season, you get a Josh yep. Allen type breakout season. Uh, even Matt Milano, you know, when he was year two, you didn't yep. know exactly what he was going to be. There's a Cody Ford, right? <laughs> for, for every one of those. Sure. And, and, or, um, or an Ed Oliver having, a, you know, finally breaking out and having yeah, a good he's having season. his best year. Yeah, 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 for real. Nobody, I mean, no one's going to gawk it out one and a half sacks, but he's playing, he's playing his great. best football. Yeah. I feel very good about saying the Bills should pick up his fifth year option. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty obvious choice to me. So there's been more success stories than not, but it's, it's going to catch you sometimes. Like, even, like, I don't know if you think it's fair to lump Zach Moss into that. I I think it's pretty fair. Um, yeah. He's he's been a healthy and active this year multiple times for Matt Breida, who's an unbelievably inconsistent football player. And yep. you knew running the ball was a problem for this team last year, and you knew you didn't have speed to the perimeter, and um, you still stuck with Zach Moss as as an option. And there was reasons to believe he'd be better, right? I I talked about it a million times this offseason about how he was a rookie, turf toe. Uh, offensive line that had plenty of shifts. He got better as the season went on. Like, but he even showed a little bit in the preseason. Like uh, some of those runs in the preseason yeah. got called back on holds, but yeah. were better runs than we thought. And it just then he just it, the vision. It's a vision thing for him. I think you can have all the skills in the world, but if you don't have vision as a running back, you're not going to make it in this league. He runs the contact right. Like he yeah. just wants it. Um, yeah. So I love. I mean, there's um, there's a lot of confidence in yourself, and I think that's paid off, right? Like you bet on yourself with Josh Allen. You, you said, you know what, we can make this work and you did. Right. So I understand where the confidence comes from, but it's, it's going to bite you sometimes. Yeah. I think to your point, don't let it bite you on the offensive line right? <laughs> of all spots. Like, Oh, well, your running back didn't work out. Right. Okay. Sure. We can live with that, but no, not when 17 your quarterback, like you got to build a wall for that guy and let him be impossible to defend. Absolutely. And it's been a, uh, I think not only for Josh Allen has it been a discredit, it's been a huge discredit to Mitch Morse putting the the interior offensive line around him that they have. I think Mitch Morse is a lot better than maybe uh, the casual fan thinks that he is. Uh, when Whenever I walk back, he's making incredibly athletic plays. Like he's not perfect. He's not a perfect uh, center, but this last couple of years, I think his play has decreased because of who's on each side of him. I, I really don't have any faith. I, I, I talk poorly about John Feliciano all the time. I have nothing against the guy. I just think these are both, uh, both interior offensive linemen on either side of him. The last two years have been below average replacement level players. I think Daryl Williams has been a nice surprise that he was able to kick in and do some okay things. Uh, but I think you need to upgrade both those spots and it will help Mitch Morse going forward. If he is going to be the center can continuing, that's another topic for another day. Uh, but obviously it's going to help Josh Allen interior pressure is the worst man. I think we clamor, you know, there's a lot of talk about the bills. Ed rushers aren't getting enough sacks and aren't doing enough stuff. And we clamor to have that, you know, dynamic edge rusher. But for me, the most important pressure is interior pressure. And if you can get interior pressure on any quarterback on the league, that's it's the most significant. It's the most influential type of pressure. And the bills are ripe for the picking uh, when it comes to the interior pressure and coming up in the playoffs, there's going to be some guys uh, that can get some work done against Josh Allen and this interior offensive line. It's, it's going to be a concern to me until they address it. I am for a little Mitch Morse appreciation talk um, for a number of reasons. I think you, this is something I've not considered, and it's certainly something that sparked when you were talking there. He's had a revolving door around him at left guard and right guard for two seasons now. It's a lot. I, I mean, there's been literally no consistency with his left guard or his right guard. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot on his plate to make line calls. And you heard Ryan Bates talk about that this week. He said one of the biggest reasons why the Bills offensive line performed so well against New England is because Mitch Morse was dialed into his line calls. Yep. And that well, that was Ryan Bates' first start. You know, like it's Cody Ford, it's Ike Bucker, it's Brian Winters, it it's Cody Ford, it's Daryl Williams, it's Feliciano going back and forth. Like, how many different guards has this team played over the last two seasons? It's it's been unbelievable. The second thing that I'll say about Mitch Morse, who continues to play at an above average level despite what we just talked about, the big concern with Mitch Morse, and I'll knock on wood. 
has been health, right? The, the right. concussion stuff. Yeah, you're one away, maybe. The dude, the dude has he started all 16 games his first season in Buffalo, 14 out of 16 last year. And remember, he was they were cautious for that one yes. game. It was the Arizona game. It was yes. out of the body. And the narrative came like, are they moving yeah, yeah. on from more? Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. And he started every game this year. So this, this yeah. guy has has not only played well, but the the injury concern that everyone had with him coming to Buffalo has not been a problem. No. Yeah. I mean, it, you're worried because he's one away, but he had a pretty candid interview about that yes. where he he's talked to neurologists. He's, yep. he's he, and he's a smart dude. And he's, he said, I'm not worried about this. Like we're not there yet. Yeah. I'm not worried about it at all. So if he's and not if worried, I have another I'm one, not. I won't be worried. And if I have yes. another one and he's been, that's he's consistent. If he's not worried, I'm not going to be worried. I do yeah. think, you know, just age wise at some point, sure. they got to find that answer of what comes next. Um, but until then they've got to do him. Uh, I think they've done a disservice. To, to a player of his caliber and what they've put next to him. And I, I say this on our show all the time. You can have a weak link on your offensive line. You can hide one weak link. There's not a lot of, you know, Tampa Bay, that offensive line's pretty rare, right? Like what they have across yeah, the Yeah, and board. Alex Kappa has overachieved at right guard. Let's sure. be honest there. Sure. Like it, and Donovan Smith found himself at left tackle right. once Tom Brady got there. Funny how that works, right? A guy with <laughs> yeah, a little pocket mobility. Can, uh, can get the ball out pretty yeah, quick. All of a sudden, yeah. Donovan Smith's a, a good left tackle again. So. For sure, yeah. And and to be fair to this offensive line, blocking for Josh Allen's not easy. Right, right. Like good he holds point. onto the ball a little bit good longer. Point. You don't know where he is. He's right. moving around. So there's some, some difficulty to that. But I can live with one weak link on this offensive line. But they need it to, to address this position. I think out of all the, the narratives that came out of last year, uh, of what this team was, I don't think we were nearly pounding the table enough for the, for that interior offensive line. I'm still, I believe in a lot of these old football cliches, Joe. Like it starts in the trenches, both sides of the ball, and the the games that the Bills have struggled in, they, that's where they're losing games. I'm with you. I tweeted out a couple of days ago. I don't know, maybe it was a week ago. I'm going to go ahead and spoil every draft discussion that I'm going to have on this podcast and tell you that I am in on the trenches. I don't care what's been invested. I don't, I don't care. I don't it's care. like you have to keep investing to get that right. Get guys that can make plays on defense and get guys that are going to make sure that 17 has a time that's necessary. And I'll get interested in corners and running backs and wide receivers in the fourth and fifth round. And just like, can we just talk about corner for just like a second? Yeah. Let's talk about back seven entirely for this bill's defense. It's Tremaine Edmonds and a bunch of day three picks and UDFAs. Yeah. Matt Milano's a fifth round pick. Levi Wallace is a UDFA. Dane Jackson is a seventh round pick. Jordan Poyer yeah. is a seventh round pick on his third team. Micah Hyde's a fifth round pick that his original team did not offer a contract extension to. Bobby Babich and, and Sean McDermott, these guys, these guys can coach these guys up, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it kind of goes to the overall persona of this team. This this is dates back to something you already said in this podcast about how it's this this certain amount of like just misfits, guys with an edge guys with a chip on their shoulders, go to the same thing on offense. It's Josh Allen and who? Right. Cole Beasley, what was he? Was he seventh-round pick or something? Diggs is a five. Uh, Sanders, I don't I don't remember where he was drafted, to be honest with you, but I don't, I don't necessarily call him a, a core player here. No. Zion McKenzie, a fifth-round pick that got cut by the team that drafted him like a, a year into his tenure. You've got this offensive line. I mean, Dawkins is a two, but Mitch Morse is a fifth-round pick. Cody Ford. Um, yeah. Cody. So, I mean, you have a lot of, you don't have a ton of like high pedigree no. here. I do. No. And the defensive line, you do. Okay. Right. Sure. Like, well, I will acknowledge that. But for the most part, this team is guys that were cast offs or late round picks or even Josh Allen, who was a third quarterback that was raw out of Wyoming. It's, it's definitely something that I think the Bills subscribe to and, and they want guys that are like, okay, like, Nobody believes in us. We're going to get together yeah. and build a bully. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, especially uh, we've had a lot on our Slack channel. We'll have conversations when things aren't going well throughout a season through this marathon. That's a season. You'll see certain things that aren't going well. People try to change the scheme. Well, what if we do this differently? What if we do this? Yeah. Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott believe in this scheme. They and should. I think, yeah, I agree. And when you find out where the holes are, it's usually somebody not doing their role within the scheme. Like these big runs that teams are breaking off. It's, you know, guys missing gaps. Like that's what the Patriots rely on with their gap 
run says you know they're relying that hey we're going to be in position more times than you are and we're yep. going to get some explosives out of this and so if everyone's doing their one of 11 and you get smart players that buy in and yep. usually those buy-in players are the guys that you know your levi wallace's that had a walk on at a alabama you know you know how hard it is to walk on and play at alabama and, and then five be stars in that, everywhere everywhere all yeah. over the place, especially at skill positions sure like and at cornerback and stuff like that and then to go do it again in the nfl uh, on a team that has some good <laughs> right. talent like that he's a process dude like if yeah. he if there's anybody that embodies that it's, it's a levi wallace and so those type of guys that buy in and you hit on this early in the year, when you are able to bring those types of guys back for four or five seasons at a time and the continuity, like it really does matter. And we can get more high end players in some of these positions, but continuity matters in a scheme like this, especially zone. Like yeah. I, I think a lot of the defensive struggles from a year ago were when Matt Milano was out and you saw the communication between Taron Johnson and AJ Klein and zone coverage. Like there's a lot that goes on there that we yeah. don't see. And when you don't have that kind of ability to communicate those pass-offs and handoffs, that's where NFL quarterbacks, no matter who they are, are going to take advantage of any hiccups in a zone coverage. So uh, that continuity matters. Um, they can coach up defensive backs on this team. So I agree with you, though, in the, you know, invest higher assets continuously in that defensive line until you hit, until you get the guys that make splash plays, invest it on the offensive line. I think, especially the way you understand this probably more than me, because I don't watch a ton of college and, and do scouting until after the football season, but it seems year in and year out, Joe, I'm looking at these, these wide receiver prospects coming out and they're, they're loaded with talent at wide receiver, cornerback, these, the athletic dudes seems to be loaded year in and year out. I've got 19 receivers in my top 100 right now. Yeah, man. Nine, 19. Wait, like, yeah. wait, grab a guy. Wait. I love what you said there about the scheme and the trust in the scheme. And and for as complicated of a game as football appears to be, there is a unwavering trust that the Bills have in their scheme in that if we space it a certain way, if we funnel throws to certain areas of the field, mm-hmm. if we get enough pressure that the scheme is going to win more times than not. And if we force you to stack enough plays together to score on us more times than not, you're not going to because there's going to be variance on your behalf. We're able to dictate where you're going to go with the football. And we just need a little bit of whether it's a a pressure or a hand on football. Yeah. It's just, and it works. Yeah. More times than not, it does. Like you're going to find it. You're going to run into somebody that, has that patience or has that ability to break you uh, a few times or, or, you know, gets a play on you. Uh, but more times than not in the Sean McDermott era here in Buffalo, it's worked. even with the, you know, we talk about the run game issues being a problem, but you know, even last year, one of my pet peeves has been when people talked about this team last year and talk about narratives, talking about the, the team and where they were rated as like a 15th, 16th overall defense. But when you look at DVOA towards the end of the year, they were like top 10 in DVOA towards the end of the year. And that ranks against the opponents they played and it has a little bit more context to it. And so even as bad as the defense was last year, um, towards the end of the year, they tightened it up again. And, and you see that every year in and year out with the Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense. And that's one last point maybe that I'd like to make is, it blows my mind. Like I know he's getting a little bit of love now. It blows my mind for the last few years. I know people love offensive minded coaches and you always hear the hot names are offensive minded guys. What Leslie Frazier's done here in Buffalo and the way he handles himself. He's my favorite press conference week in and week out. Yeah, I love good. listening to Leslie Frazier talk. He gives you nuggets. He's honest. You, you can see the passion just exuding off this guy and he's put together a top unit. That's so hard in the league for like four years and been able to keep continuity and keep any type of egos in check. Like this guy is a leader of men. He'd make a great leader of any organization in the league, especially ones like a Jacksonville where things have been chaotic for a few years or, you know, Oakland where they're coming off a little bit of turmoil internally with what happened to Chicago. Yeah. It's not, it hasn't been pretty there. Like he should be getting more credit. I don't know if it's age or his past six. Minnesota wasn't as bad as people think. Like there was some other stuff going on in Minnesota, but those guys played for him. I think it, it was going to be a blessing if the Bills are able to retain Leslie Frazier yeah, for another well, for year. Sure. It, 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 it's almost criminal that he doesn't get the respect around the league that some of these hot offensive names always get. Aaron, this conversation has been exceptional. We joked before we hopped on that this was going to go a little bit long. I ramble, man. I apologize. We, nah, we, we knew it. We literally came into this thing and said, we have three topics, and I'm sure 
it will uh, definitely take on a life of its own. It did. I, I'm super satisfied with this conversation. We went to a lot of different places. I, I think we neither one of us have hair, but we let our hair down. Yeah. And, uh, and that, I think that's what the feedback that I've gotten on the tailgate talks is people appreciate that side of, of uh, the conversation that comes out because I, I, I think I'm fairly buttoned up and I, I try to give good information and thoughtful analysis, but this does allow me the opportunity to be very candid and, and, and honest and stuff uh, uh, with some more of the emotional side of things. And so I think you did a good job of bringing that out of me. And um, it makes me looking, makes me want, excuse me. It makes me look forward to the next time we get a chance to, to hook up and collaborate on a, on a podcast. Absolutely. I can't wait to have you on our show here as we uh, wrap up through the season here and uh, hope to come back on again soon. Looking forward to it, Aaron. To everyone, happy new year to you. Thank you for choosing to spend some time this weekend with us. And for Aaron Quinn, I'm Joe Marino. The hay's in the barn. I do have to say that the hay is yeah. in the barn. We've done it. We've done all we can, Aaron. We've done, on this podcast, on your podcast, we've done all we can to get ready for the Atlanta Falcons. Now it's time for the Bills to go out there and handle their business and enter week 18, as weird as that sounds, with a win. And you are AFC East champions for a consecutive season. That'll do it for us here today on the podcast. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share. Have a great weekend. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.